Welcome to First United Speaks, the sermon podcast from First United Church of Oak Park. I'm John Edgerton, the lead pastor of the church. We are an open community united in love and justice, and whether you are worshiping with us on a Sunday morning or listening to this podcast later on, we are glad that you have joined us. Our scripture reading for today comes from the book of Job, beginning in the 38th chapter. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up your loins, and I will question you, and you shall declare to me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding, who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the heavenly beings shouted for joy, have you entered the springs of the sea or walked the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been revealed to you or have you seen the gates of deep darkness? Have you comprehended the expanse of the earth? Declare if you know all this. Where is the way to the dwelling of light? And where is the place of darkness that you may make its territory and that you may discern the paths to its home? Surely you know, for you were born then, and the number of your days is great. Have you entered the storehouses of the snow? Or have you seen the storehouses of the hail? What is the way to the place where the light is distributed? Or where is the east wind that is scattered upon the earth? Can you hunt prey for the lion or satisfy the appetite of the young lion? Who provides for the raven its prey when its young ones cry to God and wander about for lack of food? Do you know where the mountain goats give birth? Do you observe the calving of the deer? Who has let the wild donkey go free? Who has loosed the bonds of it to which I have given the step for its home, the salt land for a dwelling place. Is the wild ox willing to serve you? Will it spend the night at your crib? Do you give the horse its might? Do you clothe its mane? Is it by your wisdom that the hawk soars and spreads its wings toward the south? Is it at your command that the eagle mounts up and makes its nest on high? It lives on the rock and makes its home in the fastness of the rocky crag. Here ends the reading. Would you join me in prayer? O God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. The book of Job is a fable. And like all fables, there is something of a lesson that it is trying to impart, 
something true about life that it wishes to say, something true about God that it strives to communicate. And like all fables, the lesson comes only at the end, but can only be arrived at starting at the beginning. So the beginning. Job. Job was a man, an ordinary man in every way, except that he was a good man, extraordinarily good, actually, blameless, doing nothing wrong, if it is to be believed. What's more, this blameless man, he had it all. Good family, prosperous business, good health, plus he was rich. Isn't this how it's supposed to be, right? Person does good things, good things come to them. But then, one day, and for no good reason, it is all taken away from him. His business collapses. He loses all of his money. That's okay. Money isn't everything. But then, his family begins to get sick, and he loses his loved ones one after the other. And then his own health collapses, and he is left suffering in his body, penniless in society, racked with grief and utterly alone, all for seemingly no good reason, not because of anything that he did. Now, it's tempting to think, well, there must have been some kind of reason, something, some choices that Job made that at least contributed to his misfortune. Nope, not at all. And just to drive that point home, the book of Job, the Bible, it provides four different people arguing four different ways that there must have been something that Job did. They argue person after person after person, and Job defeats them in argument proving convincingly, overwhelmingly, convincing even them that he was in the right. He did nothing wrong, and God owes him some answers. If God really is a God who values justice, that is, people getting what they deserve, if God really is a God who values justice, then God has some explaining to do. And God must have been listening. God must have been listening to this whole exchange, listening to Job's demands for answers, because God shows up. God shows up. God comes sweeping in like a tempest or a whirlwind, like a tornado or a hurricane. God replies to Job with a hurricane of words, with a tornado of questions. Job asks God to explain why he has suffered so unjustly. This is God's reply. Can you hunt prey for the lion or satisfy the appetite of the young lions? Who provides for the raven its prey when its young ones cry to God and wander about for lack of food? Do you know when the mountain goat gives birth? Do you observe the calving of the deer? Is it by your wisdom that the hawk soars and spreads its wings to the south? Is it at your command 
that the eagle mounts up and makes its nest on high. That's just a taste of it. What I read was just a taste of it for 129 straight verses. For 129 straight verses, God asks question after question after question after question after question after question after question question that Job has no way of answering. Job cannot possibly answer these questions, demonstrating certainly that God is God and Job is not. Question after question after question, mostly about animals. Mostly, God asks Job about animals. Animals that burrow through the earth or swim through the water or soar through the skies. Animals that are mundane or exotic. Some animals that people see every day. Other animals that prowl the deeps of the ocean at such depths that it is impossible that a person would ever lay eyes on them. The cumulative effect of 129 straight verses of these rhetorical questions is powerful. It is crystal clear before God is halfway through just how little Job knows of the living world and its goings-on. But even more than demonstrating Job's ignorance, God's remarkable string of questions reveals something about God, reveals something about the inner mind of the divine, reveals something about what it is that God is doing with all of God's time all the time. God is caring for and paying close attention to the animals of the earth the winds of the sky, the waters of the deep, even seemingly insignificant creatures receive minute attention from the divine. God cares deeply about the comings and goings and mornings and dyings and hungering and thirsting of the animals of the world. They have their own reason for existence, their own worth in God's eyes we see revealed in these questions. There is not a sparrow that falls to the earth, but that God has mourned its dying. There is not a spider spinning a web, but that God has applauded its diligence. There is not a honeybee collecting nectar, but that God has praised its selflessness. The book of Job begins by asking how a loving God could ever countenance the suffering of people, the undeserved suffering of people. Job demands an answer, but is given not an answer, but a truth deeper still. The scope of what God has created, the care that God lavishes upon the world, it is vaster and deeper than human imagination could comprehend. 
the book of Job is a fable. And like all fables, there is something of a lesson it's trying to impart. Something true about life it wishes to say. Something true about God it strives to communicate. The book of Job, we see suffering will come even to the righteous, even to those who do not deserve what happens to them. And there will be no clear explanation, not even from the mouth of God. This is a true thing about life. It is not pretty, but it is true. And the truth has a kind of stark beauty to it. Suffering will come, even if you are righteous, and God will not offer any explanation because there are none. God will not offer explanations. But God does offer respite. God does offer comfort. God gives to us a vast and beautiful world to love. God offers us the gift of awe and wonder at the vastness of what is living and moving in the world. If you are suffering, perhaps even greatly so, I am sorry. You do not deserve it. It is not a punishment from God. Don't take this from me. This is what the book of Job, the Bible's pièce de résistance on the topic of suffering, this is what the book of Job has to say. If you are suffering, God says, I am not punishing you. That's not what I do. If you are seeking some answers to explain it all, God will say, I am sorry. Explanations is not what I do, but what I have. I offer to you the whole of this beautiful creation. the vastness of the world, one great cathedral. Have you entered the springs of the sea or walked the recesses of the deep? Where is the way to the dwelling of light that you may discern its paths home? Have you entered the storehouses of the snow or seen the storehouses of the hail? Who provides for the raven when its young ones cry to God and wander about for lack of food? Do you know when the mountain goats give birth, do you observe the calving of the deer? Who has let the wild donkey go free? Who has loosed its bonds? Do you, 
see it ranging the mountains as its pasture. It searches after every green thing. The hawk soars, spreads its wings to the south. The eagle mounts up and makes its nest on high. It lives on the rock in the fastness of the rocky crag. What does our faith, what does our God have to say to us, have to offer us in the face of suffering? This is no academic question. What does our faith and our God offer to us in the face of suffering? Our faith, our God, they do not offer answers, explanations, And would an answer truly be a balm if in answering our wound were treated only with words and reason and arithmetic to understand? Though we clamor for explanations, they do not offer any healing, and God will not offer them anyway. Our faith and our God instead gives us comfort and respite that shall never end. The beauty of the world, full of creatures both marvelous and mundane, each one seen and beloved by God each one fashioned from the hands of the Creator, each one, even me, even you. We're glad that you listened to today's sermon. We hope it has offered some spiritual sustenance for you. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to First United Speaks wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're here in Oak Park on a Sunday, we would love to have you come worship with us.